Mother's Day to everyone. Um, and we want to say welcome to Lake Hills Church, and we celebrate moms today. And um, I am a little still stunned, still a little stunned, because I didn't know Joe was coming home this weekend. For those of y'all who don't know, that was our son Joe singing in that falsetto <laughs> right there. <laughs> Uh -huh, that's right. He surprised me Thursday night and showed up at the house. And so um, he got there and Kaylee brought him in and I cried, literally. I, I, I have cried like five times in my life. But um, that would, you know, Matt, Mr. Waterworks over here cries enough for both of us. Um, but I was so excited and so surprised that I did cry. And then today I came to church and I was like, is that Joseph's voice? So that was a surprise. What, can we put our hands together for those brave souls? I love it, love it, love it. And I feel like it would be appropriate for us to start with prayer because um, I am super excited and I feel like you guys are going to have a hard time focusing. So let's pray. God, we thank you so much for today. I thank you, God, for your church, for your word. I thank you for the gift of motherhood, the blessing of motherhood, the responsibility of motherhood. Right now, God, I ask that you do something only you can do, that you settle our hearts and our minds, that you open our eyes and our ears to let us see and hear what you want us to learn today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. That was about 80%. We're going to do it again. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Yes, for those of y'all who don't know, before I um, taught grown-ups, I taught children. And so I will re-engage you every so often just to make sure you're still with me, okay? It's just a strategy that we use around here. And so I believe that teaching children is not actually real different from teaching grown-ups. But today we are excited to talk about motherhood. But here's the deal as we talk about motherhood. We're going to use scripture. And we know that God's word applies to everyone. So even if you're not a mom today, I'm going to ask you to open your eyes and ears. And perhaps God has a word for you today as well. I'm not sure if you've seen it before, but in New York City, there is the statue of the fearless girl. The fearless girl stands strong with her feet spread apart, her hands on her hips, her chin up. She is staring down that bull. If you look at the fearless girl carefully, you see, this is to celebrate all that women have done and are doing in our world today. And if you look carefully at that fearless girl, you see that she stands fiercely. She has her feet apart, hands on her hips, chin up, chest out, and she is staring that bull down. I get that the girl sees the bull. I believe wholeheartedly that she sees the bull in front of her. But I believe that the reason she is able to look him in the eye, to stare at him so fiercely, is because the fearless girl is able to look beyond the bull. Yes, that bull is in front of her, but that bull is simply an obstacle that stands between her and all that she intends to accomplish. That bull is just, is just a distraction that stands between her and the life that she is determined to live. What an example for all of us. Because how many of us know that in life, in marriage, in work, in motherhood, we have to see beyond the bull. 
turn to your neighbor and say, you've got to look beyond the bull. Okay, you know what, guys? That was mediocre at best. I mean, I, I love you too much to lie to you. Turn to your other neighbor and now say it like you mean it. You've got to look beyond the bull. Because even though I don't know everybody in this room, I do know my God. And I know that God has created each of us on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose. I know that he has a great calling he has crafted you and created you for. And Jesus says in John 10, 10, the enemy, the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life. Life to the full, an abundant life, an overflowing life. That's the life that you were created to live. And we're going to talk today about how to get there. Because we know that to get to that life we're created to live, we're going to have to look beyond the bull. And we're going to start by looking at the Old Testament. A great example of someone who was called to a great work. A great example of a man who had work to do. A big dream, a big vision from God. But he had bulls in his life too. He had obstacles. He had distractions. And the guy we're going to talk about, it's the historical account of a critical time in the um, history of Jerusalem. And the man's name is Nehemiah. Everybody say Nehemiah. You see, Nehemiah was an Israelite, and his heart was for God, and his heart was for the Israelite people, and his heart was for Jerusalem. But at this time, when he's writing the book of Nehemiah, he's actually not in Jerusalem. He is serving the king. The Israelite people had been removed from their country. They'd been enslaved and taken captive, and he was in Persia serving the king. But at this point, the Israelites have been released to go back to their country. Nehemiah at first did not go. He allowed other people to go. And then some that went were devastated when they found Jerusalem in disrepair. And they came, and Nehemiah reports what they said to him. In chapter 1, they said to me, Things are not going well for those who returned to Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem have been torn down, and the city gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, Nehemiah said, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned and I fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. Nehemiah was devastated when he heard about Jerusalem. Remember, he's not there, but his heart is there. He was devastated. He was overwhelmed. It seemed hopeless. It seemed impossible. But God began to stir in Nehemiah. It seemed impossible, but. It seemed hopeless, but. So then eventually the king noticed that Nehemiah, actually it was several months went by, and Nehemiah began to show in his face that he was sad, that he was devastated. And the king asked him, you know, Nehemiah, what's going on? And he began to tell the king about the devastation. Now, this is important. The king did not have a heart for Jerusalem. The king was the king of Persia. He had no reason to accommodate or to empathize or to feel bad for Nehemiah. It seemed impossible, but. It seemed hopeless, but. God was in their midst. And so, when Nehemiah began to tell the king about the devastation and about his burden that he was carrying and, and how God was pulling him toward there, 
the king responded by saying, how can I help? That's unusual. It seemed impossible, but God. It seemed hopeless, but God. And the king granted all of Nehemiah's requests. Here's the catch. For the gracious hand of God was on me. Nehemiah knew. This is not about me. This is not even about the job that I have to do. This is about my God. It seemed hopeless, but it seemed impossible, but he knew God had called him to a great work, and if God calls you to it, he will equip you for it. He was terrified. He was afraid. He was devastated. He was overwhelmed, but he knew he had a great work to do. Two of the bulls that Nehemiah faced. God had called him to a great work, to rebuild Jerusalem. He knew that that was his job to do, to rally the Israelites together and rebuild the city of Jerusalem. It was overwhelming. It was devastating. It, number one, the first bull, it was an overwhelming task. Hey, mom, ever felt like the job you're called to do is an overwhelming task? Here's the deal. If you don't think it's overwhelming, you really don't understand it. Um, because if you start to think about the responsibility of motherhood, your natural reflex is a little bit of vomit in your mouth. And, and so when you begin to embrace the responsibility, you want to puke, but you get to work. It is overwhelming, especially when you're cleaning up that puke. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then second, a lack of resources. When Nehemiah found out about the devastation, he wasn't even there. He was in Persia. And he didn't have equipment, he didn't have people, he didn't have what he needed to do to do his great work. Hey mom, feel under-equipped? You're not alone. If you meet a mom who says, I've got it all figured out, I'd like to be your friend so that I can help you, don't be her friend, okay? <laughs> she's one of two things. She um, is unaware or she's a big fat liar because no mom has it figured out. Can I get an amen from the moms in the house? No mom has it figured out, but we know, like Nehemiah, we are called to a great work. It is beyond us. It seems impossible, but it seems hopeless, but it is overwhelming, but I am not equipped, but, but God. God shows up when we recognize our weakness, and in our weakness, we find his strength. Some of you today, I do understand also, you're not celebrating Mother's Day. Mother's Day may be a difficult day for you. And, and maybe you have friends who still long to be a mother, but God has not yet blessed them with children. Or maybe, I know we have people in here who've lost a child or children who've lost a mother. Or we have parents with strained relationships with their children or children with strained relationships with their moms. And this isn't a fun day for you. I want you to know there is no pit too deep or no pain too great that is beyond the reach of our God Almighty. He sees your tears. He hears your prayers. He has not forgotten you. He will never leave you or forsake you. So yes, while we celebrate motherhood, we remember you as well. Like Nehemiah, we all feel overwhelmed and under-equipped. Nehemiah faced some more bulls as he kept working. At this point now, he's gone to Jerusalem and he's rallied the troops. And yes, the Israelites were thrilled that Nehemiah was rebuilding the wall. But not everyone was so thrilled. Not everyone was supportive. Three more bulls that he faced. Three guys named Sanballat. When I'm teaching in LHC Kids, I always say, raise your hand if you have a friend named Sanballat. Yeah, me neither. Sanballat, 
Tobiah, and Geshem. They were not for the project. They were actually against Nehemiah. In chapter 2, they accused him of treason. In chapter 4, they mocked Nehemiah and the Israelites, belittling the work they were doing. Later on, as the Israelites, Nehemiah said, keep working, keep working. God has called us to a great work. We will not stop. Then the enemy, they began to threaten to attack them. It seemed hopeless, but it seemed overwhelming, but it seemed impossible, but now it seemed dangerous, but. You may have people in your life who don't understand the great work that God has called you to do. You may have people in your life who don't understand the emphasis you put on your parenting. You may have people that don't understand that you will fight for your marriage no matter what. You are called to a great work. You go to God for that vision. You go to God to ask him what your great work is. Yes, it's awesome when we have friends support us, but guess what? God is enough. God is enough. He has called you to a great work, and you have to look beyond the bulls. As a matter of fact, they kept trying to discourage Nehemiah, to discourage the Israelites. So much so that in chapter 6, they threatened them. They spread rumors. When all else fails, invite them to a committee meeting. Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet with them. Here is the irony. It's my favorite part of the whole story. Lean in. Listen carefully. Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of, oh, no. That's for real. That's in the Bible. I didn't make that up. Oh, no. Turn to your neighbor and say, oh, no. Oh, no. Nehemiah replied, I am engaged in a great work. I don't know if he stomped his foot, but in my mind he did. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come down and meet with you? Why should I stop working? This reminds me of my, one of my biggest parenting fails. And I feel like mistakes are only wasted if you keep them to yourself. So I, I want to bless you today by sharing you one of my worst parenting moments when I went down to the plane of, oh no. Emily was about three or four, and for those of you who know Emily, know that she has lots of personality, and Emily did not just have an imaginary friend, she had an imaginary husband named Michael. It was a tumultuous relationship. Um, yes, that's right, you heard me say she was three or four. Very, very exciting relationship. Um, they had three children, Casey, David, and Cavid. And um, Michael had strong opinions. And so it was Easter. We were getting ready for Easter. And I, Emily, again, three or four years old, I prepared her. I said, Emily, we're going to the store, and we're going to get white sandals for you to wear Easter Sunday. Yes, ma'am. We get into the store. Michael, I mean, he started showing up. So, Emily does not want the white sandals, so naturally she whips around to me and she says, Michael doesn't like white sandals! You see, Michael liked the rainbow sequin Birkenstocks. Michael had his own sense of fashion. So, Emily, you know, toddler, preschooler here, what do I do? I get right on her level. And I whip around and I respond with, Michael doesn't make decisions in our family. <laughs> to which the sweet sales lady replies, who is Michael? 
Uh-huh. I had a dilemma at that point. I decided honesty is the best policy. And with a shaky voice, I said, her imaginary husband. <laughs> we will not be purchasing any shoes today. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you know what I did? Emily invited me down to the plane of oh no, and I went. I got right down on her level. If you were a mom, you may have a sassy preteen. You may have a, an energetic toddler. You may have a catty neighbor. You may have um, a difficult person in your family who loves to stir the pot. And they're inviting you down to the plane of what? You think to yourself, I will not go down to the plane of oh no. God has called me to a great work. Why should I go down and entertain that? God has called us to live on a higher plane. He has bigger dreams for us. Scripture says his ways are higher than our ways. We don't always understand. Just know you choose to live on this higher plane. That is where God will be at work. You go down to the plane of oh no, you're missing out. He has called you to live on a higher plane. Nehemiah continues. He, he fought through. The Bible says actually they finished the work in 52 days. It was nothing short of a miracle. It seemed impossible, but it seemed helpless, but it seemed dangerous, but God was at work. What do we learn from Nehemiah that can connect us to the fearless girl? Just like the fearless girl, just like Nehemiah, each of them set their stance. They set their stance. Turn to your neighbor and say, set your stance. You know what? I, you didn't say it right. Um, I said, set your stance. Yeah, kind of in a mom voice. I think you get me out there. Set your stance. What are you standing on? What is your foundation? We stand on truth. We stand on the promises, the provision, the power of God. When Nehemiah was afraid, the Bible says, Nehemiah was terrified to answer the king. He was terrified, but... He prayed and he spoke up. Yes, yes, you will face fears. Yes, you will face bulls. It will seem overwhelming. It will seem helpless. It will seem hopeless. It may even seem dangerous, but set your stance on the power of God. Set your stance to face your bull. God, I know you have called me to a great work, and I will stand firm. Sometimes you have to grit your teeth, you know, to make yourself really believe it. I will stand firm on the promises of God. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, read this with me. Stand firm. Stand firm. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know, you don't think, you don't hope, you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. God is at work. Your labor is not in vain. I keep trying, I keep trying. What I'm doing is not working. Don't quit. God is at work. Your labor is not in vain. I'm tired. I'm tired of fighting for my marriage. It's not working. It's not working. Do not quit. God is at work. He will never leave you or forsake you. He's called you to stand firm on his promises. Look for his vision for your life. Maybe you don't feel very confident. Maybe when you think about standing firm, your legs are shaking. Maybe you don't feel like there's a possibility. Here's the thing about feelings. They are real. 
And I'm not minimizing your feelings. I'm just saying feelings distort reality. And when we begin to live our life based on our feelings, in response to our feelings, we are not standing firm. Feelings ebb and flow. God's truth, his promises remain the same. What are you standing on? Stand on God's promises, God's provision, God's power. Yet those who wait for the Lord, this is Isaiah 41, 31. Yet those who, read it with me, wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. Sometimes I know moms read this verse and they go, yes, I want to fly away. That, that's actually, actually not what he means here, okay? Just talking about giving you energy, giving you hope. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. If you are weary, if you are tired, if it seems hopeless, if you seem under-equipped, hope in the Lord, trust in the Lord, wait for the Lord. Here's the deal about Nehemiah, though. Nehemiah trusted, hoped, and waited in the Lord. But Nehemiah was working while he was waiting. He didn't wish and wait. He didn't get to Jerusalem, see the devastation, and pray, God, build these walls. I trust you. Can't wait to see what God does. God, we believe in you. Yeah, it's awkward, isn't it? It's awkward. It's not what he did. As he was praying, he got to work. He rallied the troops and he did what he knew to do. If you feel like I'm overwhelmed, get to work. If you don't know what God's calling you to do, do something. Get to work. Set your stance and face the bull. Fix your focus beyond the bull. You've got to see that God has a vision for your life, a plan for your life, a dream for your life. Don't ask your neighbors, your parents, your sisters, your, your friends what that plan is. Ask the one who created you. He says, I created you, crafted you for a specific plan and purpose. Ask me. Here's the deal about God. You want to fix your focus on the vision he has for you? He's dying to tell you. He won't yell. God speaks in a whisper. You want to know your vision for your life? Get as close as you can to the one who holds the vision. Get as close as you can so that you can hear his whisper. I don't know my vision. Lean in. Read your Bible. Pray. Listen. Be part of the church. Let other people speak into you. God has a great plan and he's ready to share it. But he won't yell at you. He speaks in a whisper. Set your stance on his truth. Fix your focus beyond the bull. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no Oh, I'm losing you. Pull back in. Here we go. Ready? Uh-huh. Touch your neighbor. Say she's about to ask you to talk. Okay. Here we go. Where there is no vision. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy, is, happy are they. Happy is he. Here's the deal. Where there is no vision, that's the King James. Where there is no revelation from God, where there is no divine guidance. Moms run around like chickens with their heads cut off. That is my version. Here is the truth. God has a vision, and if you want to stay on track and if you want a firm stance, you say, God, what is your vision for my life? I will do everything I can to hear from you so that I know where I'm going. 
set your stance to face the bull. Fix your focus beyond the bull. Some of you are going, Julie, yes, I believe all that. I get it. I I'm loving it. Yeah, amen. I wish I could. Here's the deal. There are those of us who at some point in time, if we go back to Nehemiah, when he first evaluated to um, Jerusalem, when he first went out to check and see what was actually going on, how much devastation there was, this is what the Bible says. Nehemiah had just gotten into Jerusalem. I went to the fountain gate and the king's pool, and my donkey could not even get through the rubble. Maybe today you're thinking, man, I'd love to hear God's vision. I'd love to set my stance and fix my focus, but I'm stuck. I'm stuck in the rubble. Maybe it's relational rubble. Maybe it's personal rubble, generational rubble. Whatever it is, God's plan for you is to live on a higher plane. Get out of the rubble. Recognize your rubble. Take responsibility. Whether you caused it or not, you now can control how you respond to your rubble. And here's the deal about God. I can listen about your rubble. I can encourage you. I can cheer you on. Only God can redeem your rubble. He's the only one. Jesus is our rock and our redeemer. Redeem, it's a good church word, isn't it? I don't know Greek or Hebrew. I didn't go to seminary, but I have a Ph.D. in fast food. <laughs> Stay with me. It's going to make sense. I have a Ph.D. in fast food. I know this. I know that when I find a Chick-fil-A gift card on the floorboard of my car, it may have been there for an entire year. It may look ragged. It may be it not even look like a full-on gift card, but I know it is. And I pick it up. And I go to the drive-thru, and I hand them my gift card, and they give me back a Chick-fil-A sandwich. They redeemed my gift card. I took what I had, and they gave me back something much better. That's what Jesus does. He says, give me what you've got, and I will make it good. For my glory, Jesus says, and you're good. Romans 8.28, I get excited and I lose my place in my notes, sorry about that. Plus I have to put it in 16 point font so I can actually read it. Mm -hmm. And we know, sorry did I distract y'all, I apologize, come back. And we know that God causes not some things, not most things, not just the good things, God causes yeah, I wanted you to stamp your foot, but that's okay. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Everything. Your rubble, your mess, your mistakes, your hurt, your pain. Nothing is beyond his reach. Nothing is beyond what he can use for his glory and your good. Here's the deal. You've got to go to the drive through and hand it to him, though. He's waiting to redeem it. He's waiting to use it for your good and his glory. But you've got to redeem the card. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, that you reveal to us your calling on our lives. 
that you call us to live on a higher plane, a great plane, doing a great work serving you. God, show us that great work and give us the courage to look beyond the bull. God, if there are people who are stuck today, stuck in the rubble, reveal yourself, your power, your love, your hope to them. May they see that only you can redeem what looks so devastating. We are grateful, God, that you call us to relationship with you, that we can come to you, and that we can hear from you your calling on our lives. I want to ask you just to remain in a spirit of prayer. With our heads bowed, but also with our hearts bowed. If you're here today and you've never offered your life, you've never invited Jesus to redeem everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, Why not right now? Why not right here in this Mother's Day celebration ask God to redeem the rubble by, by praying a prayer of beginning, a prayer of commitment. It starts with a willing heart just from your heart to God's, just talk to him in your own words and say something like this, just silently right where you're sitting. Say something like this in your own words. Just say, Jesus, I need you. You are God and I am not. And I give you my life. I'm asking you to redeem all of my sin, all of my brokenness. And as only you can do to make it whole, to make me complete in you. Jesus, I choose to believe that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again for me. And I accept. And in exchange for your life, I give you mine. And I will follow you from this moment forward with everything that I've got. Jesus, I pray this prayer in your name. If you would, I want to ask you just to remain with your heads bowed for a moment and, and nobody's stirring or moving around for any reason because God is stirring and moving. So this is a holy moment. But if that was your prayer, this is the greatest moment of your life. 
and you're surrounded by people who want to help. And so if you prayed that prayer and began that relationship with Christ, then we want to help. A couple of things we would ask you to do to help us help you. If you would, fill out the Connect card that's in your program that you got when you came in. Just start filling it out right now. You'll notice about halfway down on that card, there's a place to indicate, I committed my life to Christ this week. And then once you've finished that, you can tear it off at the perforation along the fold. And on your way out the door, just hand it to one of our ushers. Or maybe to somebody under the, the blue awning that is under the big porch out here to your right as you're seated, seated right now. But second of all, as our heads are bowed for just a moment more, if that was your prayer, if you responded to the amazing grace of God, would you just quietly raise your hand? Just, just lift your hand up high over your head and hold it there for a moment because this moment matters. And if you would, just, just hold your hand up for a second. And the reason we ask you to do that is so that you make a physical statement of the spiritual commitment that God led you to, that you responded to. And, and also so we can let you know we love you. We love you and we want to help. We want to be a family with you and around you and alongside you. And so as you put your hands down, we're going to put our hands together and just tell you welcome home. And welcome to the family.